It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Hey, now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome on in to episode 110. We are back after a mid-season hiatus. It was my fault, but Joe enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I took the little week off and ran with it. Yeah. Um, it's, we, the, it's the dog days of the high school basketball season. It is. I do feel. I do not feel invigorated overall, but I, fe- I do feel podcast renewed. So that's yeah, yeah, I'm podcast renewed. We are in the stretch run. You start looking at these records. You know what I mean? Like at the teams and you're, it kind of just hits you. Wow. Some teams 23 and three or some teams, you know, it's like, oh, wow. 26 games have been played. Uh, so you really realize we are down to the final stretch run. I mean, we are, what is that? Three weeks left in the regular season? Um, yeah. Maybe two so, and a half kind of. Yeah. Um, it annoys me, these records. I, 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 I just... I don't do real well with change overall, Joe. And I don't either. And I agree with you because I, and the reason I'm talking about it now is, well, you know what? Save it. It's one of my takes. Okay, good. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's honestly one of my takes. So forget it. Yeah. Nobody should well, be 25 and three. Anyway, we have a big mailbag. We're going to hit that first. A bunch of questions that came in from last week. So we're going to get the mailbag. Then as always, we'll do our two takes. And then the special feature for this episode is we're going to run through the conference surprises, some things that stood out to Joe and I when we, uh, I guess we probably both scrolled down Jack Leeson's standing list <laughs> and had things come <laughs> to us. Um, and that'll wrap things up. And then, uh, oh, geez, I did not do my due diligence for the week ahead. I, I have something there, but not a lot. And uh, so, But let's get right into the mailbag. We're going to start it off. This is a question from Twitter. From Chris Livatino, the Evanston Athletic Director, who just hosted the big E-Town Showdown, which had a triple overtime win for Evanston. It was on television against uh, Hamilton, uh, Milwaukee Hamilton or Sussex. Or, oh, no, sorry, Pat Baldwin, and it's Sussex. I don't Hamilton. know what it is, whatever. A team from Wisconsin. Uh, but his question is, what CPS school would you most like to see at next year's E-Town Showdown? Take your pick. I mean, I one of the heavyweights and call it a day. I mean, I don't. I think you know it's Simeon. I guess it's hard to pick right now. You know, looking at who's going to have what back. I mean, I'm hearing some rumors about Whitney Young, as usual. But yeah, Morgan Park doesn't have much back, but I'm sure they'll reload, or there might be some other changes there. Bogan's down, maybe. It's hard to say. I mean, we, Lincoln Park's got some nice players back, but Lord knows what'll be going on there. So no to that. A Farragut's got a, a ton back, but they're not really high profile enough. So that kind of leaves you with, if you had to program a shootout right now, Simeon, right? Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the player rankings, Mike, they're, I mean, aside from Ahmad Bynum at Simeon, they're isn't a publicly player in the top 10, which I don't, I mean, that's very rare uh, in that class. And you could argue there's only two in the, the, like this is legit. 
you could argue there's only two in the top 25. Like, go through the rosters. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's I, crazy. I that. That's wild. Ahmad Bynum, you know, Grant Newell at, at, at Whitney Young. We know Brandon Weston's not going to be back. Um, you go through, and now I just pulled it up just to, wow. They pulled up my rankings. There, I don't have a public league player in the top, only two are two in the top 28 in the class of 2021. That is that's unheard of. Yeah. That, it, that's, it, that's unheard of. It's in, in, in yeah, yeah. all my years of doing this. I mean, we'll see if they reload with a lot of transfers. We'll see what goes on, but and we'll see how things go at state, but it feels like this might've been the first year of a bit of a suburban takeover. Right. Cause this, I mean, it's a whole other topic, but not a lot. There's not these dominating city teams there. They've been, I know it's curious, never lost anybody, but it just doesn't have that feel of. Would you be stunned if any public league team lost at this point in in state tournament? No. Like, yeah. No. So not, not even close. Um, we're not really answering the question, I guess. But uh, I guess Simeon would be my. Maybe we are answering the question. Don't have a CPS. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't this <laughs> yeah. isn't the year to bring one in. Yeah, I think that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Go get a fun uh, South Suburban team. Yeah. Um, next up uh, from Mark Farina, who I'm sure a lot of you would know his voice. You don't know his name. He does a lot of the public address stuff at football and basketball all, all over the city. He asks, he's curious for our take on the CPS championship games being played at the 52nd Street Armory. That's the Jones Armory. Even with the new court being installed by Nike to promote the NBA All-Star game that night. Um, for those of you who aren't on Twitter and don't follow this stuff, word is that both the boys and girls CPS title games, and I think the boys Final Four on Friday when you're listening to this, are all going to be at this Jones Armory on Cottage Grove and 52nd. It's a huge facility, but it's not made for basketball, and they're going to do it up like they did up the Nike or the thing at Navy Pier two or three years ago and the thing at the other tennis place a year or so ago. So it's going to be one of those things. Um, my, your, my my take, yeah. your, you just answered it, Mike, in your one sentence you said, a facility not made for basketball. <laughs> yeah. And I can't recall a place ever that is not made for basketball that I have enjoyed or – thought was cool uh and that even goes to the college basketball world where they played the basketball games on a aircraft carrier i i i'm not into it i i don't i don't like it deeply horrible is how i would term it i even talked all right to, you took it another step further yes. yeah okay I talked to some of the coaches involved uh, one who shall remain nameless talked about how he doesn't mind it so much if it's not his team <laughs> but if his team is playing in it <laughs> with that atmosphere he creates is just a lot of junk he doesn't need to deal with around the game, which I thought was very true. And B, I just hate the corporate sellout of this turning the city championship into a shoe ad, which is all it is. There won't be enough people allowed in because it's going to be small seating. That's just the way those things go. Do we know what the what capacity is or no? We don't, Any but I guarantee you it'll be small. Like a thousand? No way. I would doubt that. It, Less I, than a thousand. These other Nike things, it's all about how it looks, not so it's who the can semifinals get of the city, the public league with less than a thousand people. That's my fear. Yes. Come now, on. Now this is a big building. 
but I don't foresee them wanting to deal with that crowd. We'll see. Um, but I'm hesitant to say it'll be more than a thousand. Yeah. And I know nothing about the facility, so I guess I shouldn't say it until I know, but I, in general, it's just not made for me. No, I will be foying the records of this to find out how much this shoe company paid and what they did with it once they got it, because the whole thing's ridiculous. I, th- I mean, my dream will always be to have a back of the United center. That was fantastic. The semis. Uh, no, the title game. Oh, um, I don't have big feelings about where the semis are. That's not. I do. Big deal to me. Why? It's two. I like it because it's four teams. Two. I, I. I like it. I like them on the same court. Um, it's fine. I like it. I just don't care where it is. Yeah, I, I don't want it in a small high school. I want it where people can go and see it and enjoy it. I mean, it had a lot of energy when it was at DePaul at Alumni Hall. And there were very few years where there wasn't enough seats, even though it's uh, not big. What happened to UIC? Yeah, went away, um, which was a great location. When the I love the location. Yeah. The size is fine. Yeah, UIC would be my second choice after the United Center. Well, okay, that's not true. Wintrust would be cool. Um, so it would be my third choice. Chicago State yeah. just is not centrally located enough. See, I'm not a huge United Center fan, so... There, there will never be not anything on this beat like Derrick Rose at the United Center dunking, Simeon winning. It was the, the feel it gives the game, you know, is just tremendous. Um, I don't like the United Center, like even when there's other games play there. So you wanted at UIC? That's your dream venue? <laughs> or no, I don't like 20, <laughs> 22,000 seat arena in today's age where there'll be about. Eight, six, seven, eight thousand there. That I don't like that. Well, who knows if it was anyway? I, yeah, I, this this thing's a nightmare to me, and it's gonna be a. We'll see how it goes. But these other events did not go real well, at least for from the public's viewpoint. I'll never forget all the people upset about the Navy Pier event. I mean, my DMs and emails, nothing but fans complaining about how they were treated and how they couldn't see the games and. Um, If that happens to the CPS stuff, that'll be a a real loss. Next up, Chris Taylor. What do you think about the public league power conferences? He's talking about the super conferences that, what is it? Three years now Four. um, I personally think it should go back to the way it was Northwest central South conferences with red and white promotion relegation. What do you think, Joe? I don't think it's had as big an impact as I thought personally. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I wouldn't care if they went back or if they kept it the same. Um, I didn't like it when it started. When they went, went to it, I didn't like the idea of it. But now that it's played out two, three years, I don't know. It doesn't I, – I, I, does, it, does it do anything to the public league playoffs, good or bad, that the, or, or is it completely separate? It's the, the playoff format remained the same. Right. But I mean, as far as the impact or the, like, do people care about winning these, these conferences? They care about winning the white because they want promotion. They care about not falling when they're in the red. And I think there's a mixed bag about how much the elite teams care about. They don't even care about winning the conference. They care about the seed. In the city tournament. Yeah, I just, 
They're all playing. I, I, I guess I don't mind it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Chris. I would very much like to go back uh, to the old way. I think we've lost. I think we're losing tons and tons and tons and tons of rivalries, local rivalries in the cities with schools that are now separated that used to be in the same conference, things that a lot of people don't think about until they show up at the game like me. And I realize that Phillips and Dunbar is a major community event and next year it won't exist. Um, I think there's countless rivalries that we're losing and through time, it's just going to get worse. I really don't like that. They only play each other once. I don't think that's any way to do a conference really. Or yeah. Play. That, that, that part you get back to the old way and everybody playing twice would be, yeah, or build anything. And I think now with the extra games in the season, these matchups that the super conferences provide, we could just do as non-conference matchups. You know, if Curie's in the Red Central, and so they're not playing the Simeons and Morgan Parks and whatever, they can pick up a Morgan Park non-conference game. You know what I mean? There's plenty of games to go around. We could stop playing all these insane games against stupid out-of-state teams nobody cares about pick up one of those and then you'd have two conference games against your local rivals which to me makes a lot more sense and it's going to help hubbard basketball to play curie twice a year as opposed to just shoved in the middle of nowhere um so i think it's i think it's hugely detrimental to city basketball and i think it's gotten worse um that's my take also it's 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 too hard to stay up now um we've seen very rare success you know, Lane has successfully stayed up for promotion, and I'm forgetting another really good success to Corliss. You know, those two teams, but everybody else, it's so hard to win the uh, the white divisions now because they're so big. You need seniors. And then once you win it, you lose them all. And then you go up, and without your seniors, all, without the players who got you up, you got to play in a super conference. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's crazy. In the old days, you would have had, you know, a lower half. What? Well, even in the Super Conference, I think there's more of a chance of getting beat up and drained even more because you're playing like a Peyton. I mean, geez, 0-9, 5-18. If you don't have the right personnel after you, you move up, you know what I mean? Like oh, some yeah. of those white teams are – they win their division or win their conference maybe with you know four seniors – Hey, hey, hey! We got it. We we get to move up, and you're de- sometimes you're just depleted, and now you're getting your brains beat in not by the top two in your league, but you know if you're at Young, Lincoln Park, North Lawndale, or you know Farragut, you got five, six of them in your league, and it just becomes a little bit more to overcome, oh, and yeah. you can you can really have your season slide or get get away from you quick. Peyton uh, should be up there with in a white north with Lincoln Park and Lane and Uplift and Schurz. Yeah, so, yeah. You talked me into it. I'll go the other way. It's goofy. I've even taken it a step further. My city tournament, once you go back to the old way, only the conference winners get in. It's an eight-team seeded city tournament that takes one week, and you're done. That way... The city can stop messing around and ruining its season. You know, we, we play everybody twice. You know, I even got the matchups here. The first round would have been Curie against Longwood. That's 1-8. Then Young against Phillips. Pretty good game. Lincoln Park against Clark. Bogan against Schurz. 
Second round is Curie Young and then Lincoln Park Bogan. And the title game would have been, you know, one of those two. And you're done. This other stuff, it's just a waste of time. You got teams sitting out now for a couple weeks. It's just, we've detailed that before, but it's super dumb. You know, have the division winners go in and play an eight-team city tournament that's properly seeded in one week and move on with our lives. But anyway. <laughs> Thanks for that, ta- uh, that question, Chris, because it's something that's been bugging me. I have not heard any talk about going back. So that was probably all just five to ten minutes wasted in all of our lives. <laughs> Next up from Greg. Oh, Joe, this, this is the question I think Joe might have been annoyed by. Greg, based on Greg says, based on right now, who's your underdog pick to win each class? He's talking about state, a team that most people don't realize how good they are and are playing well leading up to the tournament. To win state? Yes, four underdogs, one in each class to win state. Joe, did you prepare? Oh, you're gonna love my answer. Okay, go for it. I am not going to pick one for any class because a, I don't know enough about one and two a to pick a sleeper underdog Two, or B there are no such things as underdogs anymore in high school basketball in Illinois. There aren't Mike in the big schools. Never really has been. There's never really been one to win it aside from maybe, uh, that Richards team in 2008 that won the first three, a title. Yeah. It's just a thing that we can say Cinderella dark. I mean, it does not happen in Illinois high school basketball anymore. Look at every year. I'm, I'm talking champions, state championship games. There's not underdogs. They don't win. And until transfers become less of a thing where the best teams get even better almost every single year because of a transfer, there will be no Cinderella in high school basketball. Every team that wins it every single year is a team we've talked about from the very beginning of the year as a state title contender, every single one of them. And you can go back 30 years. There is not a dark horse sleeper Cinderella team in high school basketball. It does not exist. I'm sorry, everyone. Now, there can be a Cinderella run to get to Peoria, you know. Lincoln Way West. Fremd. Yeah. And even they were unbeaten. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, Mike. I looked up the 2008 just to kind of see that Richards. You remember how I used the old Hoops Report publication, remember, mm-hmm. uh, that went out in paper? And I would go around and get like five, including yours, like five or six people, their picks for the Peoria picks at the beginning of the state tournament. And it was kind of fun to see how it trans, transpired. But I'd look to see, you know, was Richards even a, I mean, they were ranked. They were highly ranked. They were, you know, 25 and three or whatever, 24 and three. And they almost lost a regional game. Buzzer beater that almost went bad for them. But only one person out of seven people that entered picks had Richards and Peoria. Scott Powers, if you're listening, uh, you're the only one. Darn. Nice. But uh, so they are kind of the one team, I guess I could say. But it's not like they were. A Cinderella. They had two Division One guys. They yeah. they were thirty win team. Um, Sean Prattle was a monster. <laughs> first yeah. first year of the four class system. So, so then you really look at it, and it just it just doesn't happen. There's never the Cinderella team that wins it. So that's my answer. Sorry, 
Joe is correct, but Greg, I've played your game, <laughs> despite the fact <laughs> that uh, there is not one. In Class 1A, I, of course, went with Indian Creek because my encyclopedic knowledge <laughs> of um, basketball, of 1A basketball, why not? Let's go with Indian Creek. Class 2A, I'm going with Phillips. I think they're way better than anybody realizes. I think they're, they could, they're borderline a ranked team at this point. And they might be better than some of the ranked teams, but nobody much has seen them or nobody cares. Um, 3A. Uh, Peoria Notre Dame. They just beat everybody. <laughs> I don't know much about them. But 24 and 1. Yeah. Mike's going out on a limb. Why not? Also, one to watch in 3A Oak Forest. They, they might be real good. They might not be. To win state? I mean, we don't know. They've only lost one darn game. They haven't played anybody. What if they beat Curie that last day of the. I like season? the old Bengals, but. Yeah, who knows? Um, 4A. I got two for you. And I don't think they're really underdogs, but it's hard. I guess I fell into Joe's thing. Maybe Glenbrook South or Thornton. Keep an eye on uh, if they could get hot at the right time. We've seen they can beat elite teams. Uh, so that, those are my uh, possible dark horses. Yeah, I didn't play the game. Sorry. Next up is Max. Max says, what do you think of Northside Chicago basketball and which players stand out to you? Does that mean – public league north side or i think he's willing to talk any north side chicago basketball if you have anything <laughs> to say about private school north side chicago basketball i'm here to listen joe <laughs> um, i guess we can count to paul it's north side i mean i'll say the north side isn't as i'm going from city all the way up to the suburbs is not as strong as other years i'll say that I, as far as the depth the top teams are, are pretty good but they're some of our best, but it's not the depth that we've seen in, in over the years. Yeah, it's – um, you know, I've seen some of the Lane, Vaughn, all that kind of stuff, Taft. Um, I think it's all right. Uh, a couple names. I've not seen Jones yet, and I've heard some mixed things, but Raron Thracy, his first name is Ron with two R's, scores like a madman. So he is one of the names to keep an eye on. I'd like to check him out later in the season if I get a chance. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with Chino Garcia at Taft. He's a solid player. I've seen him twice now. Uh, Jabari Chippy over at Peyton. Peyton's not having a great year, but he's putting up huge numbers. Um, uncommitted. He's still uncommitted, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uncommitted kid. And then uh, Von Steuben, which I did not get to see Ola yet, um, but I hope to. Uh, Northridge Prep. Are they in Niles, technically, or Chicago? I think Niles. Um, but, yeah, Northside Chicago basketball, not real exciting this year. Uh, Lincoln Park, you know, was exciting, and now they're gone. So it's kind of down, I would say. You know, last couple of years we've had uplift and some other good stuff up there, but not so much this season. Next up, Nick Thilmani with the Notre Dame Dons having to go through the Grays Lake sectional. Which teams do you think take the other top three seeds? a gauntlet joe that gray's lake sectional uh yeah notre dame's a clear-cut favorite without question and it's going to i I do think the two three four seeds are going to be pretty clear as well just not i i don't know i mean i mean the fact it's in gray's lake is kind of exciting to me (laughs) i mean i it kind of defeats the whole excitement of the fact that notre dame could play saint pat's in a sectional game, which would be really cool in a normal place. But St. Pat's, Deerfield, St. Viter would probably be your 2-3-4 um, in that sectional. Agreed. Hard to see it any other way. 
But that, Notre Notre Dame is definitely. I don't want to jinx old Kevin Clancy's Dons, but oof, you are a heavy favorite, even if you're playing a rival St. Pat's in a rematch in a sectional game in Grays Lake. What's the mileage to Grays Lake from a St. Pat's? Oh gosh, probably 40, 45. It sucks. Traffic's your problem, not your mileage. Got to get there after you know. Get on the bus at three thirty, four o'clock. Is that a, is that a Grays Lake North? I don't have it up anymore. I don't. You got me. I'm checking my Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> it's far. Um, What'd you say? Forty. Forty or fifty. And, Nicely uh, done. Yeah. Forty-three. Yeah, mileage isn't your problem. It's gonna be two, two and a half hours. <laughs> if you're God as a haul. Yeah, yeah. That's just getting out of the city will be longer than anything. It's a nightmare. Uh, and St. Pat's never, over there. Have you ever been there? Uh, I mean, the I don't gym. Remember. I don't remember. Is it a big gym? I would hope so. I, I don't. I don't think I've never been to North. Is that at North? Is that what you looked? I didn't look. Okay, I've never been I to did, North. I, I, I did. I mean, I probably did my search and did the wrong school. I'm sure there'll be an excellent sectional host, Joe, despite the location. It dovetails nicely into the next question, which is from Dan <laughs> McKendrick. He says, hello, weekly listener to the podcast, but first question. I'm not asking whether you think the IHSA would ever do this or not, because I believe the answer is no. But my question is, do you and Joe believe it is time for the playoffs to be separated between boundaried and non-boundaried schools. I've been coaching at varsity level for 18 years, and it seems like the talent gap is only getting bigger. Public schools have a hard time putting five to seven players on the floor that can compete with schools that recruit from non-boundaried areas. Curious what you both think. I think we've talked about this in the past a little bit. Just uh, private public, though. We've never done boundaried, non-boundaried. I don't well, think. Well, no, probably not. But I, I, I count it one and the same. Um, I, I see no point. I, 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 no, I'm against it. I don't think it'll ever happen, and I don't, I don't want it to happen. Let's, um, yeah, I agree. I, However, I'm curious to call up the rankings and see how many non-boundaried schools are there, or boundaried schools. <sighs> Bloom, Thornton. Evanston. I do think this year is a little different than normal. Because the suburbs of the south suburbs are good. Yeah. HF. Joliet West. Yeah, we're getting a lot. Oak Forest, Stevenson. I mean, are you going to have a tournament simply of Catholic, Catholic private schools and, pub, and Chicago publicly? I mean, that's what it would be. I mean, I mean, private schools is a non-issue. They don't ever win. I mean, I, I, I'm talking about like the whole thing. Oh, wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen of the Super 25 are boundaried schools. So there's more. Yeah, I mean. And this is a, a year, you're right. There's a lot more South Suburbs and stuff. But yeah, I would say that based on that. And then just the private school issue. I mean. I can't think of it. I don't think a private school's ever won for a since. Well, definitely not since four classes, and then three A. We've only had. I mean, St. Joe's won one. Yeah. Um, Belleville Altoff won one. 
But I mean, it's not like private schools have. I mean, Bennett got to state championship. I mean, somebody's got to make it sometime. So it's not. I was just saying, the Catholic school, the private schools aren't dominating. The public league schools. I mean, you're talking four schools that, that you're really thinking are in 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 the argument. You know what I mean? Simeon Young, Morgan Park, Curie. Those four. I mean, Bogan made it last year, but. So, no, I mean, I, I don't. I, I get people's complaints. I understand they don't like that. And this is a whole other topic, too, the whole transfer. I, for whatever reason, it's never bothered me when the public league schools just take from one another. I, I do prefer the suburban kids staying in the suburbs and not yeah. going to the public league. Uh, but hey, maybe AJ Casey's started a new trend. <laughs> Fingers and, crossed. And it's not as if, and I've done this story, Mike, it's not as if these public schools have not benefited from transfers. I mean, Belleville West, Yeah, I mean, they, they, they won because of, not just because, but they've, they had transfers. Um, Sean Livingston you know, didn't start at Peoria Central. <laughs> I mean, I can go yeah. up and down. Um, so, I mean, I get what the, the argument is, but there's been a lot of benef- beneficiary of, of public schools that have, going back to the West Aurora teams with Sarah Soli and Sean Pruitt. And, I mean, I, there's just a whole bunch of them. But, yeah, no doubt. All right, next up, Gene Minsky. He's bringing up a question, a topic we have avoided over the last few weeks, Joe. Player of the year. Michael, if you and Joe had to rank the top five right now as we head into the last third of the season, who (laughs) would they be? Uh, My vote, number five. I can't break the tie. My five would be, my fifth would be Bryce Hopkins or Max Christie. So I'm actually giving you six. Number four would be Ramin Hinton. Three would be Don Martinelli. Two, Adam Miller. And one, DJ Stewart. And I could probably put Martinelli two if you really talked me into it. Nice. I don't have five. So unlike the uh, class four or the state championship picks, I've only got three. Uh, Number one is Hinton. Um, I can't believe that it's, uh, what do you call it? Nearly the middle of February. And the best performance I've still seen all year was him against Simeon. It was absolutely mind-blowing and he's just continued to win number two dj stewart and number three dom martinelli so that will be uh interesting i i feel like morgan park and fenwick and rolling meadows just haven't done it team wise enough yeah i mean they morgan park's got a big two weeks ahead of them here um starting tuesday or tonight when people are listening to this which is another my next take, so we'll keep that. But yeah, Martinelli beats Evanston again. Yeah, Martinelli with, with a big performance. I mean, the thing is that Young's quality of competition is just so far superior to Glenbrook South um, that it's really hard for me to, to look past DJ Stewart. And 
he's also not a, a gunner. He's not a, he, he does it with the flow of things. He's not, he's pretty unselfish for the most part and takes what's given to him. And so I, I just have a hard time going beyond TJ at this point. Yeah. Young wins the city. That's going to mean that could easily put him above Hinton in my rankings. I just feel like DJ Stewart hasn't had a major impact in the area right now. They're gone all the time. Like, what's his biggest Chicago win? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't give a guy a – I can't penalize a guy because he played a lot of out-of-state games. But I'm not sure I, I can make my Chicago player of the year someone who didn't really do anything here. I don't know. It's To me, it's an odd feel. I mean, if they win the city, even, you know, play a great title game, then that changes a lot. But if they lose Tuesday night or something – and he doesn't even get to the final four in the title game, and then we didn't really see him do anything here. It gets weird to me. I don't know. Um, meanwhile, if Curie goes through and wins it all, nobody's beaten them in the whole state. And it, this is not like last year either when Dejuan Gordon's numbers weren't maybe super huge. He was just winning, and he had a lot of help. Hinton is the star, and he has the numbers. You know what I mean? It's. I don't know what his numbers are. Yeah, I mean, he's led them. He's their, you know, nearly 20-point or whatever a game guy. Um, whereas Gordon, it was more of a mix. You know, they all kind of scored a lot. Um, but anyway, yeah, it'll be very interesting. I also, though, feel like we always – the city tournament always means a lot for player of the year, and I would – I think that's important, but I, a lot of times I think it's meant too much. Well, I can't this year because you're saying that DJ has a play of the area, so – well, no, it will, but that'll like put him over the top if he wins it, probably. So, so it would. But, the, but I go with your argument there, where I don't know, like if Young doesn't win a title, which isn't going to be easy. I don't think they have to win it, but I mean, like, they have a, they have they have the toughest road of any of the top teams. Yeah, because they lost games. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I, if they lose it and DJ has a great title game, I think that's fine probably that'll do it um and the whole loss the, the publicly uh, okay i can't go back to this i hate how they see their all right forget it Keep it's going. goofy yes that's why I, when i made it my theoretical i said properly seated <laughs> i mean didn't they did am i wrong didn't whitney young win the the second best conference in the state of illinois yes so whitney young wins the second best conference in the entire state of illinois but they got to play Morgan Park in the quarterfinals. That makes sense to well. That, that's because Morgan Park was six and two. That's because Morgan Park was care. fourth. I mean, Morgan I, Park's not better than Curie Bogan or Simeon. So I'm just saying, Whitney Young yeah. is penalized, and they're the best team in the one of the mega conferences, and has the toughest road. Yeah, it's a it's a goofily seated thing. Anyway. Um, where are we at here? Next up, Bones McKinsey. Oh, boy. Bones is a special guy. He says, Mike, when are you going to give York and Hinsdale South some love? You can replace Morgan Park and Simeon with the West Suburban duo. Ooh. I think at that point, York and Hinsdale South were out of the rankings. This was from last week's. Um, they're in now at the end. Um, I did have a note on Hinsdale South in my notebook. Do you think they're better today. than Simeon? And 
I liked Hinsdale South's run. I'm not discrediting their season. It's magical. However, they've played. They've only played. They've only played, not beaten. They've only played two teams that have been ranked all year. And one of them, I think Schaumburg was in your rankings for like a minute, like for a week maybe. Maybe they weren't, were they? No, I don't think so. Oh, I thought they were right before, like, anyway, maybe not. Well, if that's the case, they played one ranked team and lost to Bolingbroke. So, yeah, I, I, I've i seen Hinsdale South two, three times. Uh, they can make a run. They have, they host their own sectional. They've got a nice, very good team. It's just not one that's... He just hasn't proven it. And, yeah, I, I like them, too. And I, I'd like to see them play ranked teams. I think they could very well deserve more, but we how am I supposed to know? You know, it's tough. So, that, so that's um, – I mean, York, they play plenty of people. That has not been um, an issue. But, yeah, they didn't, I've had a lot of teams this year where it's it's difficult because I think they're pretty good and they have amazing records, but then the resume just isn't there. So it gets awkward. Um, but, anyway – that does it. We are finally through. It was a very long notebook. Let's do these two takes. Joe, you want to start it out? Yeah, the first one is kind of uh, talking about what we just discussed. And an opportunity to – DJ Stewart and Adam Miller play each other Tuesday night. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, great. If you're listening to this later in the week, sorry. But, uh, you know, they've played each other before. But it really – I don't know. I, I look back on that, and it was cool to start the season out with Morgan Park playing young and the season opener, opening night in November. And it just happened to not just be two great teams, Public League Powers, but also put the two best prospects, the two best players in the senior class on a big stage in the season opener. Uh, but it was a season opener. And it wasn't a very – it was an okay game. Uh, Adam Miller really struggled in that game. So I expect a much better Adam Miller in this quarterfinal showdown. I, I just think it's an opportunity that to, that fans, high school basketball fans, should should really get into and take advantage of. It doesn't happen a whole lot uh, where you've got these two marquee players, clearly one and two in the class, in the prospect rankings, one going to Duke, one going to the home state school, Illinois, playing each other in a very meaningful game late in the season. You know, and and I just think those those opportunities are are pretty rare and when they do happen they're fun and they're exciting and it, it's a game within the game if you will and I am excited to, to see how it, you know, transpires. But uh, just so if you're listening to it, great chance to see two of the best players go at it toe to toe here in a city semi or city quarterfinal game. All right, mine is gonna be on Indian Creek. You know, I made the trip to the Little Ten tournament. First thing I will say about the Little Ten conference: clearly, I look at the standings on a daily basis. But do you know what I never realized about the Little Ten, Joe? <laughs> I can't tell you. There's only nine teams in it. Yeah, there's a lot of been. There's been some consolidation. Yeah, I had no there. idea. They've like merged. The, yeah. um, it's like the Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> it just so it's the little nine, but they call it the little ten. Uh, it was the 101st little ten tournament. Packed jam, packed gym in Samanok. Um, one of those gyms. Uh, really good feel to it. Uh, you're right. It's got two decent sized um, 
bleachers and then a stage on one end. Uh, someone yeah. re- referred to okay. it as the Madison Square Garden of the Little Ten. That's what I told you. Oh, it was you. Okay, I didn't yeah. know if it was you or Aaron Britton. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure who that told was, me that. That was in a podcast, yeah. I think. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, great feel. It was fun. Um, went, went out there to watch the uh, – the ball game and Indian Creek did not disappoint. If you read my story, you know a little bit of this, but it was, you know, a little iffy to start 10 to 10, I think at the end of the first quarter, then like 16 to 16. And then, oh my goodness, it went 33 to nothing run from Indian Creek on Newark. And Newark, that's, a run. that's, I, a big run. I, that's the biggest run I've ever seen. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't keep that stat, but I don't remember a bigger run than that. And, and it's in a title game, you know, of a, a co- and it's for those of you who don't follow this stuff closely. Newark is a, a traditional power in one a, and I even know that, <laughs> even though I don't, you know, I've seen Newark play a lot at state and in some supers and all that kind of stuff. And Newark had won the last five little 10 ter- conference tournaments. They'd beaten Indian Creek in the last four. So they owned this thing. And to go from that, experience in a 33 to nothing run and this is a team indian creek there's one senior starter this is not a group of you know studly seniors they have one starter cooper larson he's six four kid and he's kind of like the dom martinelli of the little 10 he is you know a crafty skilled you know he's not really a big man but in that world he is a big man even though he's six four he's athletic nice soft touch in the post and you know but he can run and he gets out with the rest they got a really nice junior point guard drew gaston and then they got three kids michael lampson cam russell and brennan mcnally and all they do is play crazy hard defense they shoot the ball really well and they get out and get after it and get the turnovers and convert it quick on the other end i don't know what i know a lot of our listeners probably don't see a lot of small school 1a basketball but i'm sure what they think about it is that it's kind of slow and plotting Indian Creek is not slow and plotting. They get out and they run. Uh, great time. It was fun. The game wasn't so good because they dominated it so much. But it was definitely worth seeing. And, it, it, you know, it's going to be a big loss, Cooper Larson, next year for Indian Creek. But four starters back from a team that's currently 24-0 next year, that's going to be – they're going to be a really interesting group next season. So this was a completely worthwhile trip for me since this team's going to be around for a bit. And uh, a person who shall remain nameless posed this question to me, Joe. I'm interested to see what you think about it. But could Indian Creek win the Upstate Eight? No. (laughs) I did a little bit of research. Indian Creek's kind of only big school win at this point is Joliet Catholic. And they did beat them badly. They beat them by 22 points. And Joliet Catholic's beaten Joliet Central early. Wheaton Academy... You know, Garen, Imsa, uh, they only lost to Mount Carmel by five recently and St. Pat's by 11. So that's kind of the only gauge we have. I think East Aurora looks pretty good in Glenbard East. But other than that, I think they can maybe finish third. Yeah, Glenbard South in there. Yeah. Um, upstate's, upstate's really down. Yeah. Really down. Which is why uh, they were picked as <laughs> this person but, to... <laughs> uh, no. And then... I didn't realize it was down to nine schools, the old little 10. Yeah. Because no we lost schools like Paw Paw. Yeah. And the Mal- uh, Malta went to, I think Malta closed its doors and or now attends to Calb, I think. 
And uh, Indian Creek is Shabanon Waterman. They consolidated yeah. in 93. I'd never heard of Waterman in my life. Oh, yeah, Waterman. Never heard of them. Yeah. Yep. Waterman and Shabanon. I'm familiar with the old little 10. More than All me, right. but I enjoyed it. And you know what? I might go back next year. I mean, I hope it isn't on Notre Dame St. Pat's Day again, but I, I'd go back and watch that title game every year. It was fun. Anyway. Uh, my second take is, as I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, just about looking at the records and be like, holy cow, it's 20 teams, 24 and three or 20, 21 and six. And we're in not even to mid February. Yeah. And you, you know, it wasn't that long ago where you saw, saw a record like that in heading into the regional. And the only reason I bring it up for my negative, Mike hinted at he doesn't like change and doesn't like so many games. And I agree with it. I, for years and years and years, the number was 25 games. That was your max you played. So for a, a large, you know, all those great teams that we're talk about in the eighties and the nineties and, you know, they were playing 25 games and I, I'm just kind of noticing some, some point totals and career numbers and, three-point season totals and you know the three-point shot is a completely different animal than it was 25 years ago the way it's it shot now the amount of times it's shot the amounts are made but you know a thousand point scores used to be a huge deal thousand point career scores and, and all of it's kind of just and, and mike brought it up in a previous podcast i don't know two or three podcasts ago about 20 wins it's kind of all everything's a little bit distorted uh, because of these thirty-one games. Six games is a lot. Um, if you, I mean, twenty-five point score. I mean, you're adding, you know, not a math whiz, but one hundred fifty points you're adding there. So, I, I just and over the course of a three three years on varsity, let's say. I, I, what I'm saying is just a lot of the numbers and a lot of the things that. And, I, and, and I'm promoting them too, and I'm writing about them, and I'm glamorizing them because they are. They're big accomplishments, but they're different accomplishments now than they once were, and it, it kind of sucks. I, 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 and it's happened in college basketball too, so it's not any different. They're playing a ridiculous amount of games. They're playing, you know, when they at the end of the day, they're playing the national titles with, with in their 40th game of the year, and so yeah. Going back to what Mike said, I. Don't really like the change. Um, 31 games is an awful lot, and it just kind of changes the perspective of a lot of different things that you look at in the history of the game. Yeah, I didn't really think about it enough when it happened. The records are annoying for the team records. It's just kind of hard to get used to. I don't mind that there's more games, but then when I look at the standings, everything looks weird. And then like when I was getting the Twitter, doing the Twitter previews, like every second school set a record last year you know, for most this or most that, or the best team in school history. And I was like, oh my goodness, why was everyone so great? And then I realized, duh, it's because they all played way more games. Of course they made the most threes in school history, you know, or most wins in school history. It was just, I guess that will calm down now because there will be more games. So it'll, it'll kind of recede a little, but yeah, it's a shame because the win total thing, we're just going to have to get used to, I suppose. But but I don't really know why you need to play 31 games though. I mean, I don't know what the magic number is, but I guess why 31? 
what happened to like what's wrong with 30 but uh well then not, think about joe difference the but... season's getting a week shorter Be- yeah because we're going well the double a season um yeah kind of you know because the playoffs are all the state's all going to be the same week that week before so i guess the regular right. season's like the same length but um yeah it's a, little, a lot of basketball jammed in there my second take so that's going to be that's Go ahead. next year next year yeah next year so it'll be the Class A weekend. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so they'll never be with the NCAA tournament. No, that's that's the best part of it all. I think I could see a lot of people's points about the way it's changing, but that's good for sure. Yes. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, my second take, I don't have like a pointed point <laughs> here. Uh, it's just I thought we should generally hit on the Curie-Mike Oliver situation. I guess we haven't even hit on the Lincoln Park. I mean, the two big news things going on. For those of you who have had your head in the sand for, uh, basically it was a very good week to have no podcast because I was extremely busy. It was, it was rough out there. Uh, Lincoln park, as you may or or may not know, their season's been suspended. I don't see them coming back at this point, barring legal action from the parents, which I'm surprised hasn't happened yet. To be honest, they didn't do what some of the cross country runners did and try to get an injunction. I don't know how else it's going to come back. The mayor's talked about it. That's a whole mess. You can read all about it online. It is a shame for some of the players. It didn't have anything to do with it all to be missing their season. But right now that school seems to have bigger issues than just basketball that they're trying to figure out. Uh, Curie and Mike Oliver, on the other hand, is one of those things that only in the public league, maybe only in Chicago, could the number one team undefeated in the state team that has been super high profile Curie obviously we're talking about could their coach not coach three games and nobody would know why and no one would write about it it was driving me personally completely insane because you know I I think most of the city knew what was going on but it was one of those stories I just could not get you know I can't just write what I hear there has to be someone with first-hand knowledge reporting you know i can even use a source but it has to be you know a source that i trust that i know has first-hand knowledge and you know curie was not returning phone calls the cps was not getting back at me um those of you that really read a lot about high school basketball may have noticed that the post dispatch asked uh larry wallace the curie assistant why mike oliver was not coaching that game against hazelwood and he said mike was dealing with personal matters which technically i think is true but you know we didn't get to it so it, it was one of those stories in all my years, I this sounds strange, but this is one of the hardest stories I've ever had to get. I just couldn't get anyone on the record for almost a week and a half about what had happened. Finally got that, you know, got got it out there. And the last I spoke to Mike Oliver, he said that he wasn't sure when the investigation was going to wrap up. He was he's a security insecurity at the school, and there was an incident. And he's suspended while they investigate it. And he had not talk, spoken to an investigator. This was on Friday uh, at all. Now, I, I'm sorry, that was on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, sorry. Uh, and on Friday, Curie's parents had a press conference. They demanded a lot of things that nobody seems to care about, and they're not going to get their demands. They wanted to meet with people and all kinds of stuff. But in that press conference, the word was going around there was going to be 45 days. So if you put that 45 days back to around when the incident might have happened and when Mike was first suspended, we're looking at still 
second week of March, maybe, you know, maybe first week, late first week. So even if Mike Oliver is exonerated from all this, he might not be back until well into the playoffs, which is just, I mean, it's an amazingly huge loss for the number one team in the area, the number one team in the state to be without their coach for this amount of time. And they don't even know if he did anything wrong or not. It's still just being under investigation. And Mike Oliver had a lot to say, you know, about how he's been in security for 28 years in CPS and has never had a complaint against him, which nobody, I wrote that in the paper. Nobody said that wasn't true. If that's true, that's quite amazing. 28 years (laughs) working at a public league high school and not to get a single complaint. So it's just a a shame that they couldn't get this investigation done sooner or maybe give him some benefit of doubt why they investigated after 28 years of working there. But it's just, it's a really strange place for the number one team in the state to be in. Sounds very publicly ish to me. Um, (laughs) I mean, I, I guess you say that strange, it's almost the norm, man. Uh, not so much what's happening with them, but I mean, just just how things are handled, how things are done. You, you just there's no rhyme or reason sometimes for a lot of the things that we hear, and I, it, it would just be unbelievable if they come back, whatever that date is that you mentioned. Yep, everything's clear, everything's fine. Yeah, he's back. I mean, it's such a you know what I mean. It would be nuts. It, yeah, it'd be just a, Walks a waste. Into the super sectional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they haven't lost without him yet, so there's yeah. that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a weird deal. But let's get into. I think we have about eight conferences that we just kind of randomly selected with some some things that jumped out at us, and Mike and I put together a surprise for each one. Uh, those conferences. DuPage Valley, Joe, a conference where I have not seen the teams I want to see yet, but. I'm going to admit I did not expect to be sitting here in early February and see DeKalb on top as a perfect 7-0. and I guess I wouldn't have been shocked for them to be on top, but to be undefeated, um, they are dominating right now. Well, undefeated, and you, and you have a first-year coach. Uh, Mike Reynolds came from Galesburg, very solid program he ran there, and took over. They lose their best player to a knee injury <laughs> for the year, and they're 7-0 and 21-6. and So, yes, that is... You know, going into the season, I think Naperville Central, Nequa, and Wabansi were the three schools that everybody kind of penciled in as one, two, and three. I, I shouldn't say that. DeKalb was up there too. But then the injury, the uncertainty with the head coach, new, everything's new and fresh, and here they are. With not only, Mike, are they 7-0 and, you know, locked up the conference, they also have a very good shot of, of making a significant run in a very winnable sectional and a super sectional, it's also winnable. It's not crazy to, to, to think that DeKalb could play in Peoria. Oh, well, I mean, look at that road. I yeah, mean, yeah, I know that's fun. That's an interesting, it'd be an exciting first year in our coverage area <laughs> to get all the way to Peoria. All right. Uh, next, we're kind of going uh, down this list. The Red South Central. I think big surprise in that conference for me was I would never have in my wildest dreams thought that Morgan Park would be in fourth place. Uh, would have finished in fourth, and I probably wouldn't have thought Curie was undefeated, although they didn't have to play Morgan Park because they just didn't play that game, so that helped. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I remember writing a story in the fall before the season got going, you know, um, maybe it was, maybe in the summertime, it might have been a summer, summer story, but, it was summer, yeah, because yeah, Siri Lewis was still there, yeah. so, 
and he was a loss. He's he's a big kid, six eight. But I was talking about Morgan Park as being a potential super team, you know, with all that monster talent. And you're right, them in fourth, and with what Curry and uh, what Curry and uh, Bogan, what they lost from a year ago, um, they lost a lot. And and for them to be in the position they're in, I mean. They're twenty and they're forty-five and three. When one of the losses are to each other, so there's only two losses between the two of them uh, to other teams. So I, that, that that that's very surprising to me. Even though they're both preseason top, you know, rank highly ranked teams. Yeah, I mean, if we crunch the numbers and go back, it sounds like a hoops report deal. But Curie over the last two seasons, their record. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. The run they've been on over these last two years through a lot of drama too. Uh, next up, the South Suburban Red. We're heading down to the South Suburbs. I don't say this is a major surprise, but this was supposed to be a really special year for Oak Lawn. It has been. They're twenty and five and eight and two, but they have not been able to take the conference lead. They're in second, a plucky Richards team that lost possibly their best player uh, to RB. It's nine and two and in first place in the league. Yeah, I, I, that's, I mean, this was, you know, Oakland. I mean, Eisenhower has been a, you know, 18-win team in that league too. But, yeah, Oakland to me, and we'll see at the end of the day, Oakland, I mean, if I had a, I don't know if win or their schedule or I imagine they play again or have they played twice or. I think they've only played once, but I wouldn't yeah. bet me out. Uh, so, yeah, if we are sitting here in two and a half, three weeks and Richards is, the South Suburban Red Champs, that's that's saying a lot, especially with, you know, losing their top player to Riverside Brookfield. Next up, the West Suburban Gold. Big surprise that kind of stuck out here was Willowbrook, a team I've seen play a fair amount over the last two years that I like watching play. And Everett Stubblefield gets 30 like every two weeks or so. They are all the way down in sixth place. They're three and six. Behind, you know, Leiden and Downers Grove South, just 10 and 16 overall. That was a definite surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, they, they went on a t- – they, they started out pretty decent. Uh, and, you know, and they went on a tailspin from about mid-December till the last couple of weeks. They have won their last couple of games. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they were a team – if you had to go look up my preseason – top 85 they were in there somewhere yeah and you know they're 10 and 16 overall right now west suburban silver uh, not a big surprise here i guess but hinsdale central you know need deserve some recognition they are technically i think tied for second they're six and two along with oak park york's on top at seven and one they're only 12 and 12 overall but they were hot for a while you know they have ryan isaacson a division one player but six and two fighting for this conference title. That's a it's a surprise and a pleasant one for Hinsdale. Yeah, team you don't want to play again. If you look at that schedule and how it breaks down, and you know if there ends up being a two three way tie and Hinsdale Central's mixed in there, that would be a heck of a job done by Coach Nick Notori. Yeah, I mean, because uh, they, they've again their 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 schedule's pretty good. So that that five hundred record is impacted by that. But yeah, they're right there in the thick of things with the two teams that everybody projected to be at the top, Oak Park and in York. 
That's a good point. Their schedule is good. You know, I haven't even looked at it, but they make the notebook enough, you know, that they're playing teams that matter. So that, that's, that's an excellent point. Uh, next up, Central Suburban South. I, I think Glenbrook South is 8-0, undefeated on top. That's a bit of a surprise over Evanston. Might be a little premature, though, since they've only played the home game against Evanston. I think the thing with them is they are clearly not only first place 8-0 in the league, but 23-3 and overall. I don't know where you have them ranked this week. If they're, are they top 15, 14, 12? I don't even know. Um, uh, they jump back up probably around 15. Uh, yeah, so I know Don Martinelli was back, and he was their – they're highly productive junior last year, but this is a team that lost four starters from last year's 20 plus win team. So for them to be sitting where they are, uh, is, is pretty remarkable. Boy, they're a good team that I've really enjoyed watching them this season. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, next up the East suburban Catholic. We do not have a specific team, here but i mean the east suburban catholic has been one of the most fun conferences over yeah. the past i don't know has it been a decade at least five years it's been and, really great and notre dame has clearly lived up to the hype they yeah. were they were heavily ranked highly ranked start the year tons of tons of accolades before they'd done anything which i know some i know some city and public league and i've kept saying notre dame notre dame what are you talking about notre dame because they, they they've done everything they've been asked to do but Overall, the league, in comparison to where it's been over a lot of years, is just not as strong, and that's surprising to me because mostly because I didn't ex- I didn't expect it to be as quite as strong, but I, I I just think there's a lot of teams that have not been as good as I anticipated. You know, I, Mary Catholics had a very good year. You know, the from the eye test, the look test, they're not quite as good as I. I thought they were going to be uh you know Bennett has been pretty decimated with some injuries so and some illnesses and things like that so that's and their schedule is always ridiculous so you can't have those type of injuries and have players out and play that type of schedule and not take a dip uh but you know they're they're not quite what I thought St. Vider's not quite as you know as good as I thought Carmel isn't quite as as good as I thought so I, I, the league as a whole just isn't as, as, as strong as it's been or as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, definitely not. I do – I like this Bennett team. I, I like – you know, even though they've, they've been missing some guys, I wonder – and this is you – know, I think they've lost two of their last three, but it was like Demarion and um, DePaul, and the Paul score wasn't very close. But I wouldn't be shocked if they pulled it off Friday against Notre Dame at home. <laughs> If they yeah, I, I I was at the DePaul game, and it was about as poor of a performance from a Bennett team as I've seen. Especially at home. Uh, yeah. They couldn't score. It, 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 I mean, it was a 20-point game, basically. And that's why, you know, but to, to look at that sectional and, and – I think one of the most intriguing potential matchups in all of March is a Bogan-Bennett <laughs> sectional game. Uh, I, don't, I think that's at Hinsdale South, I think. So, yeah, I would not rule them out. They just have not been able to – and they've got a heck of a grind of an end of the season. They play Lala Muir. They play Stevenson. They play 
I, they, they still got Notre Dame. I mean, Charles that's, North, yeah. I mean, that's a killer stretch to end Ed the season. Ed Vieter. So they're yeah. going to be battle-tested, <laughs> that's for right. sure. Right, right. No doubt about it. Yeah, they're, they're one to watch. I, I haven't given up on Bennett totally yet. Um, next up, uh, and the final one, the Mid-Suburban League, which, man, we didn't even talk about the uh, Max Christie Cam Craft showdown. Which was spectacular. I mentioned it a little hey, bit. Great for high school basketball. Yeah, wish Man, I'd have two, been there. <laughs> two suburban kids going at it, same geographical area, full gym, a lot on the line. First rematch, first place on the line. That's 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 big time and great for high school basketball. And they're underclassmen. Yeah, really. I, I cannot miss that again. I loved. It. I saw it last year. It was fantastic. Cam Craft and Max Christie going at it. And I think I've already missed both matchups this year. But um. The uh, Mid-Suburban League surprise we had was not in the East. It was over in the West, where Palatine and big man Julian Campbell have quietly snuck, I guess, to us, you know, <laughs> not paying super too much attention. Palatine is 7-1, and 17-10 and 10 overall, but they're in first place over a 21-5 and 5 Schomburg team and 18-5 and 5 Barrington. And Fremd, always, you know, perennial power. Also, Conant, never a slouch. They're having a rough year down at 3-19, and 19, but... Palatine number one in the mid suburban West right now. Yeah, we we I don't have we talked Palatine one time all year. Boy, I mean I don't know if we have o- only on the, the. I usually mention them on the week ahead. <laughs> yeah, they're it. my yeah. you know they're they're in my three pointer column in the paper uh, and online you know this week. But what's interesting is they started the year. Uh, let me look here, two and four. Uh, they started the year two and four. They have been on a great run since Christmas. And, you know, we've talked, I think we've talked quite a bit of mid suburbanly. We've talked Christie. We've talked Kraft. We've talked, you know, we talked Buffalo Grove in the beginning as a, as a sleeper team. Rolling Meadows, obviously, uh, Schaumburg and Chris Hodges. And it's just funny that we're sitting here in February and Palatine is the one that's in first place on that side of the divisions. And, uh, we'll see if that, you know, continues on here, but they've put themselves in a great spot. Um, you know, Schaumburg getting upset and struggling a little bit here in the last couple of weeks. Palatine on for, in first place with 17 wins. All right, that'll wrap us up for the uh, look at the conference. Quick look ahead. I just realized that as we're speaking, or maybe in an hour, Max Christie is in Chicago. At Mather? Yeah. I, I will not be making it over there. But uh, Tuesday night, as you're listening, actually, I'm going to put this out, I think, Monday. So maybe some of you will be listening to it on Monday night. But Tuesday, Zion Benton at Mundelein, Brook at Lincoln Way East. A, a little interesting game here is Deerfield at Carmel with some players I'd like to see. Uh, Oak Lawn is at Riverside Brookfield. And then at Grays Lake, that Grays Lake sectional seating purposes. Gonna Deerfield and Carmel. <laughs> Deerfield and Carmel. <laughs> then, of course, the CPS quarterfinals. Then Wednesday is pretty. Slim Pickens, as is Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday is going to be maybe like yeah. ma- make an Ooh. excuse to take your wife or girlfriend or partner or significant other out on Wednesday or Thursday oh, instead of talking, Friday. I thought you were talking to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. the girlfriend. Yeah, don't don't do it on <laughs> Fridays. Loaded with stuff. That is technically Valentine's Day, but work out a way to do it earlier because <laughs> Friday's stacked. We got Fenwick at DePaul Prep. 
St. Charles East, St. Charles North, which Joe talked about or wrote about in the paper. DeKalb, Bonzi Valley. We just talked about them. The Notre Dame Bennett game. Stevenson at Mundelein. We got Oswego, Oswego East. The CPS Final Four. It's a loaded Friday. It's a real shame all of that is happening on one night because I won't get to see much of that's, it. That's happened a lot this year. Oh, yeah. It's you notice that? Totally, yes. Like some dead nights and then loaded nights? Yeah, like the Tuesdays have been great. And then. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it's been it's been extremely annoying to me uh, this season, and I also have jury duty tomorrow. So if I get put on a trial, we might not have any no shot clock for a while, Joe. I should just <laughs> give that out to the people. I already delayed it because it was during the state football weekend, so I had to go. So we'll see. Um, Saturday we got uh, York at Oak Park, Schurz at Niles North, Joliet West, Joliet Central play their matinee because of what happened. I don't have much else. Going on Saturday looks a little thin. Yorkville Christian at Fenwick. I did not see that. Yeah. I like that one. Well, Bonsi Valley coming into the city at Clemente. Yeah, I could walk over to that. I actually was thinking about it. It's too bad Schweiger's out. Yeah. uh, It's not ideal. Although, oh, geez. Indian Creek has a shootout. (laughs) Oh, no, they play Hope Academy. Is that the Hope Academy game? Uh, yeah, that's really good. Actually. I was thinking I've actually there seen Hope go. Academy. They got a good big man. You know, we left out a question. I mean, close, uh, Car- Carmel's going out to the Indian Creek shootout. You know, I can hit this for next time. Yeah. We'll save this question because we're over, but, um, all right. Thanks for listening everybody. And, uh, we will be back next week. As long as I'm not sequestered on some trial. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>